This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lolly Art Group. Remember Tanner Lolly from episodes 3 and 86? He's an amazing artist. It's impossible to view his work and not feel the power flowing from them like a beautiful mix of strength and love. I'm wild about a painting called Momentum. It just kind of takes me to a place I can't even explain. To view his current work as well as find out where he'll be, check out thelollyartgroup.com or go visit him and his work at his gallery in Dallas. And remember to allow plenty of time for a real conversation and say hi from me. Hey, listeners. So in this episode, I'm talking with Jill Catone, and she's another one of the series of 18 and 2018 where I'm talking with people who are standing up for something. She and her husband saw a need at a time when the country was having some pretty big economic issues going on. They saw the need to help people and families be able to keep their pets by um, donating food to food pantries for pets. And the way this all came about and her story is so beautiful. So enjoy. Here's Jill. Hey, listeners. Today I have with me Jill Catone, and she's going to talk with us about an amazing venture that she began, a nonprofit that is kind of right up my alley as a dog and cat lover. Hey, Jill, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. So we have a little bit of a background that was parallel. We both worked for the same company for a number of years, but never really knew each other, which can happen because it's a huge company. Um, mm-hmm. But another guest on the show, David, the author, David Kettlehake, had mentioned Jill to me. And gosh, Jill, we've been trying for how long to get connected? About maybe a year? I think it has been a year. I'm so happy that we finally got together. I know it took a while, but I'm, so, I'm yeah, me too. I'm really excited about it. And I love the work you're doing. So um, at the risk of not giving it all the glory it has, I want to make sure you describe what your nonprofit is. Absolutely. Thank you. So the Sedona Grace Foundation came about after we adopted a dog from the shelter. We adopted a dog from the shelter named Sedona, Mm -hmm. and she was three years old. She knew how to sit, roll over, and get, you know, shake. And so we knew somebody took a lot of time with this pet and dearly loved this pet. So for some reason, she was she was dumped at the pound at age three. Mm-hmm. So we always wondered, the mystery was, why would anyone leave this beautiful creature? She was part uh, white German Shepherd, part yellow lab. Oh. And she was the beautiful... Be- She had a beautiful red coat, the colors of Sedona. That's why we named her Sedona. And she passed away. She was only with us for six years and Mm. passed away of cancer. And if if anybody has ever had pets in their life, there comes a time when a pet enters your life and you know that this is different. This is not your normal dog or cat. Sometimes they possess a spirit that was almost meant to be, to send to you. Sedona was that pet. I had had pets in my life. My husband mainly had cats. When she came into our life, a lot of things changed. And my husband was going through some challenging times. And uh, she really helped him understand some things about life. So at the risk of sounding too flighty, uh, and I'm sure as pet owners, people understand there's sometimes there's a reason for these pets to be in your life. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, when she 
Uh, I, I'm okay. actually, I have to pause you for a second there because I'm actually like, um, trying not to cry. <laughs> First of all, because I know that story exactly. I, I just, this is why the timing was, I guess what it was like literally a month ago, I lost my dog and her name is Franny. And she is, it was a golden retriever that came to us in a really crazy way, um, 14 years ago. And I always wondered, like, I think she was on a quest to find me because she was my, she was just my uh -huh. soul dog. And, you know, I've had other pets. I've lost other pets. And I am, like, having the toughest time. I miss her so much. It's like, uh -huh. I keep hearing her. I keep, you know, you do that thing where you keep going, oh, did I let uh -huh. Franny out yet? I'm leaving the house, you know, all that. So um, if anyone, if you want a second uh -huh. testimonial to about why an animal comes, she has, <laughs> she has been... Um, my rock from losing both of my parents and going through some really tough life changes and all these things. She's been there with me for all of that. And gosh, I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> so I'll let you continue on. just wanted to give that testimonial. I totally sure. hear you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah it, she definitely was a spirit. And, and um, when she passed away, not only was it absolutely devastating for us, um, but it was, we still went back to why was she let go? And mm -hmm. I said to my husband, maybe her family couldn't afford to feed her. So that gave birth to the thought process of, hey, why don't we provide pet food to food pantries so that people that are going through tough times don't have to get, give rid of their pets. Our main goal starting out was to keep dogs and cats out of the already overflow shelters. Mm -hmm. And we have several shelters in our county, but some of them are high kill shelters. So if you do surrender a dog, especially a senior dog, mm -hmm. chances of their survival are done. So with that mission in mind, we started out in our living room um, buying huge bags of kibble and breaking them down into gallon Ziploc bags. Mm -hmm. And we slap a packet of milk bone dog biscuits on top. And we call those, we called those our canine care packages. Mm -hmm. So at that point, we did not have cat food because we were just trying to see if there was a need. Mm -hmm. So I, pa I packed up the car and I went to a food pantry in our area that is what I call a grassroots food pantry. They do not get help from uh, major food pantry distribution centers. They mm -hmm. strictly rely on like Whole Foods and, and Bob Evans and places just to give them what they have, you know, left over. So I walk in with 10 packages and say, Hey, um, do you know if your clients would like some pet food? And at that point, the director said, I don't know. We've never had it. Mm -hmm. So I said, if I give you 10 bags, do you think your clients would be interested? I'll give you 10 and then I'll give you a call in two weeks to see if you need more. And I got a call within a couple of days and the director said, it's flying off the shelf. Oh my gosh. We had no idea. <laughs> She said, we had no idea that people needed this. And we kept on giving to that food pantry. And then we went to the next food pantry and we ended up with 11 food pantries. Oh, my gosh. In That's the huge. central Ohio area. That's huge. It is. Okay. So we were hearing wonderful stories of thank you and gratitude and stories of people who were sharing their food with their pets because they didn't have enough to eat themselves and take care of their beloved pets. Mm. And many of them are elderly or they have some type of mental challenge that they can't leave the house or, and their pets are everything. Mm -hmm. So we kept, we kept going and kept packing this out of our home, which was getting ridiculous because <laughs> our house smelled like pets all the time. We had two dogs who, who by the grace of God did not eat the kibble. They <laughs> knew it was sacred kibble and they stayed away from it. Um, so we kept doing this and both my husband and I work full time and it was getting exhausting. Mm-hmm. 
did partner. We went back to the very first food pantry that we serviced, and they actually are located in a church, and the church had an extra room, and we paid rent to just have everything stored in this extra room. So fast forward, what we had had learned is people would love, people love animals, Mm -hmm. maybe more than people. Mm -hmm. So we developed volunteer group who, who actually would come to the church and we would have pet food packing parties. And that consisted of us going to Sam's Club, getting loads and truckloads of pet food, cat food and dog food, along mm-hmm. with milk foam biscuits. And we would break them down and 20 or 30 people would help us bag it in gallon bags. Wow. So the, these pet food packing parties just <sighs> took on a life of their own. We had people have them for a girl's night out. So they would bring wine and pack pet food. <laughs> we had we had youth groups come and do it. We had senior citizen groups uh, sometimes come and do it. So it did take a life of its own, and it was an amazing experience for these people to get together with people they didn't know and share a conversation over kibble. Wow! And. We also, we also found that many schools, Girl Scout, Boy Scout, and church groups wanted us to like come into the schools or come into the church group and explain to the children, you know, what this is all about mm-hmm. and to have them do this. And I'll tell you, that has been probably one of the most rewarding things is, is having a, a room full of children take on packing biscuits Mm -hmm. and um, they take on their own little personalities and some of them stack the biscuits very neatly. Some of them are a mess, but at the (laughs) end of the day, we all know they touch, they touch someone's life. Right. When we do this in the schools, I make sure to, to emphasize to the children, what you're doing is going to affect a pet and a family. You know, what you're doing is going to go into a pet, me this week so that they can imagine and um and, and visualize what the end result's going to be of what mm-hmm. they're doing. I mm-hmm. thought that was very important. Um a lot of a lot of charities have an age restriction so you cannot be under 16 to volunteer not us. We mm-hmm. take um any child over 5 can, can do this. So it's really taking on a life of its own as with also providing to the food pantry. So we, we're continuing to do the food pantry runs. We actually do have some volunteers who take that on and help us mm-hmm. um, because it's just grown so much. Yeah, it sounds but enormous. I have to tell you, yeah, go ahead. It, it is. And I just kind of have to tell you something funny. When we, whenever we have a children's group, there is always somebody who eats a biscuit always (laughs) somebody takes a bite out of a phone biscuit it's hilarious we always have that I gotta think in the back of my mind honestly when we were all children didn't we eat dog food or cat food at least once you know right at least once you know and I would have to say out of my two boys that they're they're older now but like the the older one would for sure be the one eating the biscuit and the younger one, who's a teenager, mm-hmm. would be the one with the rubber gloves on, trying to make sure that he didn't get any germs on himself. So it's so funny. Okay. Well, yes. It's funny because we also can recognize in our pet food packing parties, we do have the people that bring the gloves. Mm-hmm. And then we have the people that just have it all over them. And I'm sure <laughs> they walk out with it on in their clothes. Um, and, and, and it's just been a real bonding experience for us. We do have fundraisers from time to time because we do rely strictly on donations Mm -hmm. and have been extremely blessed uh, with donations. But we keep saying we got to, you know, I wonder how long this is going to last. And every time we we think we're not going to be able to go any further, something comes in in the way of a donation Mm -hmm. and we keep on going. So we keep on going um, until we get the sign to stop going. But the need is out there. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And um, it's funny because we've had some pan- pantries absolutely say, no, we don't want this. We don't hmm. need this. 
And on the way out the door, I will have some of their clients go, can I have some dog food? Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that was kind of an interesting twist that we learned. Another unexpected twist that we learned is people wanted us to start delivering to their homes. Ah. And as much as my heart, as much as my heart would love to do that, Mm -hmm. and we did it a couple of times, I said to my husband, we need to keep our focus on the food pantry. Mm -hmm. We need to focus because if we start doing this, number one, we're going to be running around in every neighborhood and every section of town and we don't have the resources or time. But number two, I think that when a charity steps out of its main focus, mm-hmm. I think things sometimes go a little, a little south. And, you know, there's that saying, keep your purpose constant. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we really and, and, and kept it with the food pantries. And it's tough because we do get people reaching out to us via our website mm-hmm. and say, you know, I, I keep my pets. Can you please deliver? Mm-hmm. And we will, we will rate if they live close to a food pantry, we will do it. But, but, but we have to, we, we can't let our heart take our purpose away. Well, that is, that's the purpose. hardest thing. I mean, I think once you get to the point where you open your heart, you know, to really serve in a specific way, it is hard to kind of keep the boundaries, keep the bright lines of what where your purpose is. Because once your heart is open, you want to do for everybody, you know, and I, I see that in myself. Every time I go do something, I'm like, I want to help all these people. How can I not just how can I just limit it to this? But, but you have mm-hmm. to step back and go, wait, there was nothing here before. And now there's something, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. we all want to save the whole world. But if we if we um, spread ourselves too thin, it dilutes helping at all, you know? So how long has Sedona Grace You're been? You're absolutely yeah, right. How long has Sedona Grace been in uh, operation? It has been in operation for seven years. We are an official 501c3. We wanted to do everything correctly. I mean... Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question too about um, if I'm not. We wanted to do it oh. correctly. We wanted to do it right. Right, and I love it. I love that you offic- made it official because then I think it helps in a lot of ways. It protects you as well as um, allows you to serve in a greater way and draw more donations. Encourages people to donate more because they can, you know, tax deductions and all of that. But I was, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken, when uh, David was telling me about what you are doing. It was sort of in a time when our country was going through an economic downturn. And what we were finding is mm-hmm. people were reaching the end of their finances to the point where they had to face the choice of um, keep having a pet or not or put food on the table or pay my rent, you know. And it's hard to get to that mm-hmm. point. It's hard to imagine that. I think we I think that we probably saw that happen, you know, 100 years ago. Even with children, people were that couldn't put food on the table for all their kids were taking their kids mm-hmm. to orphanages, and um, luckily we changed that. But you know, pets have become such a part of our life, and it's like giving up a family member. So it it's amazing that you thought of it, or you saw the need at a time when it was really prevalent. And I, I also wondered if you're finding that there are organizations like yours across the country. Mm-hmm. We we have actually we we had recently a lady reach out to us and she wants to start something similar. So I was helping her with you know okay we've been through this so here's what to do here's what mm-hmm. not to do. But we also have a what I call a sister charity because we work with them quite a lot that does something similar to us but they do it for the homeless. Our clients our clientele have homes. Mm-hmm. Our clientele are at that level where some of them are working two or three jobs and they fall under the line of not getting a lot of government assistance mm-hmm. and they're what what you call the working poor. Mm-hmm. But going back to this other charity, they actually provide veterinarian services and pet food to homeless folks. Now, you know, you, we even get the remarks of, well, if you can't afford a pet, you shouldn't have a pet or mm-hmm. how, why, 
most people have, they can't even take care of themselves. So a couple of things, a couple of things we've learned and, and able to educate people on that is number one, you can already have an established pet and lose your job or have a catastrophic illness and become poor very quickly. Mm-hmm. And would you, you know, why would you give up your pet? As for the homeless, that pet not only provides companionship, it prote- it protects them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dog would protect them as they're living underneath the bridge or in a tent. It also provides warmth. Mm-hmm. So, that's always come back. It's easy to, to look at these situations and, and negatively. Um, but there are reasons why these people have pets. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we work with this other charity a little bit. We, We trade food back and forth at times. Um, and I'm sure around the country, there are places that do the same thing we do. Mm -hmm. There is a pet pantry, in central Ohio, where we are located, it's actually a pantry just for pet food and people come to them. Uh, they do have to fill out all kinds of forms ahead of time and, and just state, you know, why we're, uh, we're needing this pet food at this time. But we instead go out to the pantry. So I think that makes us unique. Mm-hmm. We also repackage things, which makes it unique. One of the things I stress time and time again at our packing party is we want a quality product. I will not allow broken biscuits in these packages. (laughs) I want the package to look good because when you go to a food pantry, a lot of times what you see are broken boxes, Mm -hmm. secondhand stuff, rotten things, things that are on the verge of being rotten. Mm -hmm. And I want even though it's pet food, I want it to look nice. I want them to come home with something that looks nice. Mm-hmm. So as goofy as that may sound, it's a pride thing. And I want them to have pride in being able to feed their pets with mm-hmm. something that's not ripped open, taped up. Um, so that was something I, I really have strived on, even to the children is when they're packing, mm-hmm. please, you know, don't rush the quality product. That's a, it it is a sense of pride. And I I think something just came up that I, that literally just came across my line of sight yesterday that kind of goes the opposite of that. So I wanted to bring it up because it's a new thought process for me as well. So there's, uh, I live in Wisconsin and there's a program going on in Milwaukee trying to get people to, um, you know, basically buy the ugly vegetables, I guess, for for, uh, lack of a better way to term Uh it. But there's, so many um, fruits and vegetables that aren't perfect looking, not because they're rotten, because they're just misshapen, you know, and those are often thrown away. And they're trying to say, hey, let's not waste food. Let's not let's not do this. You can buy, you know, if, if you're willing to get on board and buy the the ugly vegetables and the ugly fruits, so to speak, ugly is a loose term. I'm using that term loosely and only in the example here because <laughs> I like all plants, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a it's a way that we have become in our society, and especially I think in America, where we're those of us who are, um, you know, not dealing with food food pantry things are are accustomed to having everything, you know, perfectly wrapped and boxed and and shaped, and you know that those fruits and vegetables, like, why do we reject those? So I I mean, where I'm coming from is. Is there a, a place for the broken dog bones? You know what I mean. Like, uh, maybe uh-huh. there's the one. Maybe those go <laughs> yeah. to the those yeah. go to the uh, shelters or something like that. Or you know what I mean. I'm sure you're not wasting them, but it's just a it's a yeah. it's an interesting concept. But I appreciate no. your your um, your the reason behind why you're packaging everything nicely because you they deserve it, right? They deserve to have the products not broken and ripped open and all uh-huh. that. And I get that. But uh, what what do you think about that? Do you think that that's something that, I mean, is there any waste at the end of your packing parties? I guess maybe I'll look at it that way. There is not. Yeah, okay. there is not. So broken biscuits, we we will take that. First, we offer if anybody has a dog, mm-hmm. um, they can take some of the broken biscuits home, right? Because um, the kids like that. But we also, if they don't, we also. Um, 
we have taken them to to the shelters before. Good. Okay. And that, yeah, that that is absolutely what we do. We also make sure that all the boxes are reused over and over again, so we don't want to cause a lot of waste. Mm-hmm. But yes, that's very important. And you did bring up a good a, a good topic with the vegetables. The grassroots food pantry that was our very first pantry, mm-hmm. they do get fruits and vegetables every week from Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And you're right, because especially Whole Foods, you want everything to look nice. Right. And so they do those vegetables in and they are put to use, which makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Also, if, if they do not get rid of the fruits and vegetables, the pantry actually has a compost bin. Oh, nice. So there's uh, also a community gardens at this church so the compost bin goes into the community garden so it's very interesting to see the network of how things don't have to be wasted um, even in a food pantry world (laughs) that's so good to hear and that's the thing i don't think we ever or we often unless we're involved in it get to see the full you know cycle of all these things and so uh-huh. it's kind of interesting to me to hear that. I'm glad to hear that these things are being used. And I'm I'm kind of like this thing they're doing in Milwaukee where, where they're trying to get people to buy these things. You know what I mean? Like, why are we so uh-huh. – if I'm going to chop it up and put it in soup, does it matter that it's a two-legged carrot? Who cares? You know, <laughs> right? Actually, I consider that mm-hmm. a bonus. Right. You know? <laughs> So uh, it's sure. it's so cool. Like sure. I, Absolutely. This, so you're part of, um, I should probably mention this to you. So this year in 2018, I'm doing 18 episodes specifically about people who are standing up for something, like the way you're standing up for um, food for pets. And it's I've learned so much uh-huh. through this process that I, I feel like I'm even more uh, aware and watching for these kinds of things. But I love seeing what we're doing as a, a, a humanity, I guess, as people, to continue to mm-hmm. examine where we can do better and where we're wasting or where we're not helping and that kind of thing. So I'm so glad to have you as part of this program. But I just had done one recently um, on plastic straws, single-use and single-use utensils. And it was just mm-hmm. it just opened my mind to really how important this is, you know? So now everything I read about this, I'm like, oh, okay, how can I help there? Mm-hmm. Oh, and so, yeah, I'm probably spreading myself too thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love uh, that you're... Yeah, like you yeah. said, you get very involved. Yeah. So... Um, One of the things that you had mentioned... Oh, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. <laughs> We're having... I should tell everyone, <laughs> if when I get back to editing this, um, you might see some overlap. We're using a little different technology for um, recording. And... I'm probably hearing more of this like voice overlap than I've heard on other recordings. So I'll do my best to make this clean. But uh, if people are hearing that, that's what's happening. All right, go ahead. One of the things you mentioned is what you have learned from doing these podcasts Mm -hmm. and the different things that you've learned. And one of the things that we have learned is we have been, we have been in so many different food pantries and I will tell you it's very humbling. You, you, we've learned a lot. It, we've learned so much. And every time we go into one and get back in the car, I mean, there's been times that I get back in the car and I cry because I'm just seeing the things that, I, that you see in, in these pantries. And you see these people doing these good, good things mm-hmm. by serving in these pantries. And you talk about it's humbled us so much, so much to be in those pantries. And you're right. In the everyday world, the average person, you know, gets up, goes to work, you know, takes care of the kids. There's a whole different world going on at the same time. There's a whole network of people helping people at the same time. And it's, it's amazing this network and, and we can all take a pause and, you know, visit a food pantry or Mm -hmm. just to learn more about them. And um, or just visit a place just to learn more about it. So when you talk about getting reciprocal good vibes, doing good actually does better for you a lot of times than it does the people that you're doing good for. Oh, totally. It does. It, it gives you the gift of the soul. Yeah, the soul absolutely grows. And, and, and we've just learned so much. 
and it's it's just been a real eye-opening experience. Yeah, perspective is everything. I mean, there's I don't know the exact saying, but it's something about how if you're feeling bad, serve because you'll stop. You know what I mean? It like because that's it gives it fills mm-hmm. our hearts so much and our souls to serve others instead mm-hmm. of like getting caught up in the cycle of my own whatever minor dilemma that I can cycle on mm-hmm. for you know hours or whatever. And I think that's one of the things that we're seeing in the next generation, I think a much greater awareness. I think, you know, I always think we're, when is this going to change? When are these things going to get better? When, when will there be less of this hardship and that kind of thing? I love to see how, you know, the fact that you're going into schools and the fact that even with my own kids, the amount of um, awareness that they have about challenges in the world Mm -hmm. is so much greater than I had at that age. And I mean, it was a different world, but still, I just, didn't have that amount of awareness right right and uh, that's what we try we try to always include a little bit of education in our packing parties mm-hmm. um you know I always try to have a few minutes to talk to to the kids especially but the adults also I mean the adults I'm sure have learned a lot uh, about because where we do our packing parties they have to walk through that grassroots pantry right. so they walk through a pantry where they see the old vegetables and the stale bread. So they see all of that. And I think it's important um, because, you know, they can see that they're going to be a part of, of, of making somebody's life better. Right. I, and I don't think that, you know, if you're, you know, uh, working a job and living in a home and able to pay your bills and, you know, whether it's like lower, lower middle class, middle class, upper middle class, whatever, I just don't think that we have the awareness of how hard it is like a couple things that were eye openers for me is I listened to this podcast and I think it was on the good life project and it talked about tunnel vision and how when there is something so hard going on in our lives we get tunnel vision and we can't see anything else and he he had an example of a woman a, a, a young mother who was you know, incredibly poor and trying to pay, make ends meet and feed her children and that sort of thing. And that's all she could think about. She couldn't think about, um, you know, where am I going to be in a year or, you know, what what am I going to do next month? It was about how am I going to get a meal on the table tomorrow? And it talked about how she, um, at some point then, uh, someone offered her a credit card and she took on, she took on the credit card and she ended up going out and spending all this money really fast because it was so foreign to her to be able to get enough diapers and get paper towels and get all the things that she needed for her home. Uh-huh. And as the story went on, you know, she she got to the point where she couldn't pay it back and she missed a payment and then missed another payment and then had to go through all this effort to make a payment plan in order to pay it off. And the whole time I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, you know, part of me was like, I wonder how much... In my mind, I'm I'm estimating this is like a ten thousand dollar credit card bill, and it's eight hundred dollars. It was eight hundred dollars that she didn't know how she was uh-huh. going to pay off in two years. Uh-huh. That was so mind altering for me. I'm like, oh my uh-huh. gosh! And then yeah. I just saw this article of this dad who took on like two extra jobs in order to buy his daughter her dream dress for prom, and I'm thinking. This must be like a $2,000 dress because while my sons didn't go to prom, or at least the youngest one hasn't gotten there yet, and I don't have daughters, uh, my friend's daughter, I think her prom dress was somewhere in the neighborhood of $700, and I was like, whoa, what? Oh. When did that happen? But anyway, wow. um, I thought, well, this must be like a $2,000 dress if he took on an extra you know, extra jobs, and here it was a $200 dress, a $200 dress. Oh. And I think that... Those stories yes. help me realize, first of all, how privileged I am. You know, I think, I mean, when I'm like struggling to make ends meet or whatever, I'm like, it's not like that. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we spent too much uh-huh. on vacation or something like that. Or, oh, we have to get a new car, another car. How are we going to manage that? You know what I mean? Like, because we have another driver. But mm-hmm. it's so different. It's so, dr- like, exponentially uh-huh. different. It is. And I think that what you're doing, you probably yes. see that. And I don't like, I think we all should find chances to see that, to understand. Yes. Now 
with that said, there are some people who've made some bad choices and put themselves in situations. So what I think is, is important to do is also recognize that um, we need to uh, educate and and help help people get out of the situation. Um, and, and you're right. You hit the nail on the head. When you start, when you're in a certain economic level, your life is reactive, mm-hmm. constantly reactive. Oh, the car broke. Oh, now I can't go to work. Oh, now I can't. So they spiral and you're mm-hmm. right. All they're thinking about is what am I going to do to put food on the table tonight? There's a very, if your listeners ever want to read a very interesting book, it's, it's called Bridges Out of Poverty by Ruby Payne. And it talks about the different cultural classes that we have and what's important to them and what their life is like. Mm-hmm. And while some of us will never know their life, it's interesting to understand why does this person in poverty have a big screen TV? Why, you know, why are our poor obese? Mm-hmm. In this book, if, if, you know, you talk about understanding, you know, how these things can happen. It's an excellent, excellent read. Um, and I know we're going off on a tangent. That's what we it, do. That's true. what I mean, we do. So you're good. <laughs> But, you know, you, you get passionate when you talk about these things. But um, I do want to kind of go back to, to something um, with the food pantries. That another thing that we did not expect to have happen is we had people reach out to us and say, I'm so happy to hear about you. Now I'm going to go get, you know, I've got 20 cats and now I'm going to go get 10 more. <gasps> now I can feed them. <sighs> okay, that was a totally, totally shocking response. To what we were doing mm-hmm. and I had not even thought of that. Wow. So that, that was something we didn't see coming. And so we went to our food pantries and said, Hey, um, we don't like you to limit these things, but do you know your clients well enough to know if someone's going out there and, and just starting to hoard animals? Right. And luckily enough, most of them know their clients well enough that they recognize. In fact, um, one of the ladies we talked to said, she goes, I know the person who reached out to you. Okay. And she does. She has 20 cats. Wow. Um, so actually had to, that was an unseen circumstance, <laughs> <laughs> unforeseen circumstance. And um, so that was kind of strange to us. Right. Um, and so th- that is something that we just have to work with. You know, if, if anybody listening ever wants to start something like this, work with your pantries uh, Mm -hmm. because our goal was to keep pets out of the shelters, not to provide you additional to, to handle more pets than what you can handle. Right. So, um, but another interesting thing that we have, we learned is, is sometimes in these food pantries, some of the food pantries work on what we call a point system. Mm -hmm. So the client comes in, they get X amount of points in which to get groceries, toiletries, and they have a choice sometimes to buy toilet paper or pet food or get pet food. Mm -hmm. Um, So their point system, it all falls under the same category. Mm -hmm. And we've had so many people tell us that, that they've had clients put back the toilet paper and get the pet food, Mm -hmm. put back the deodorant, get the pet food. Wow. So, um, that that was also kind of a, a, a that reemphasized to us that what we're doing is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly encourage all your listeners to, to start something similar to that, and if they do want to reach out to us, we'd be happy to tell you how we did it from start to finish. Oh, that's such a generous offer because I'm sure. I mean, you know, I I know a lot of pet lovers, and I know a lot of people who are always trying to do good. You know, help people help help pets. And so Mm -hmm. this is such a great way to do it. And it sounds like, you know, the fact that you have the system down would be a great start. So I love that. Thanks for that offer. I mean, actually, I can imagine my son wanting to do that. (laughs) But then it becomes my job too. So, (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, you don't have to go crazy like we did. Mm -hmm. Um, But if there's just a local pantry of where you live down Mm -hmm. the street, Right, you know, just something like that, um, it, and just kind of break down the bags to like we use gallon bags. Some food pantries have more shelf space, and we use two gallon bags. Mm-hmm. We know that's not enough, 
right. an animal for two weeks. Um, but, you know, it, you don't have to take on 11 food pantries like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just do something small and it's, it's very gratifying. I bet. You know, um, actually, I think we have, well, in our area, we have two pet food companies uh, that produce pet food. And mm-hmm. I wonder if we could even partner with them. You know what I mean? If they'd be willing sure. to donate some food and then uh, get people that would like to repackage it, that might be a way to go about it. So how do you keep that momentum going of keeping food packaged every two weeks? Do you mm-hmm. do you like have to manage a pretty elaborate schedule of of uh, volunteers to do that? Well, we, we actually just post something on our Facebook and the people come, uh, we have about 20 regular volunteers. And, um, so that works wonderfully. The challenge we have is how do we keep, how do we keep kibble coming in? Mm. And we have actually put some, we've put some bins in veterinarians offices. Mm-hmm. We will use open packages. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has to, put their pet down, which as we all know is the worst day of your life. Mm-hmm. If you have to put your pet down, veterinarians will say, bring in the food and the food will, will be u- utilized through the Sedona Grace Foundation. Oh, nice. So we have three veterinarians offices that keep bins and people donate into the bins. The veterinarians will put samples in the bins. And if you put your pet down, you can bring your food into the bins already opened. It's okay. Okay. So we, we do that. Um, we also get broken and ripped bags from our local Walmart here. Uh-huh. And um, they, they give us those bags on a regular basis. And monetary donations are what keeps us going. And that we actually found that Sam's Club is the cheapest way to get 55 pounds of, of kibble. Uh-huh. We've probably gone through, I would say, about 10 tons of 10 uh, tons? Easily. More wow. than 10 tons, probably. Oh my yeah. gosh! Um, on any on any given pa- packing party, the last packing party we did in an hour and a half, people did uh, over over probably five hundred pounds. Wow! So it goes quickly. I bet. And um, so we're we're constantly looking for outlets, and um, many of the pet food companies will give their ripped bags and so forth to shelters or to um, uh, rescues. Uh, so, you know, we would love to be a part of that and, and part of that. But it, it's hard for them to sometimes understand what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I've about like a, a grant, applic- not a grant application, but like Milkbone or uh, Perina will have something on their website to fill out to get, you know, to get some extra bags. But we don't fit a category. The categories mm-hmm. are, are you a shelter? Are you a rescue? Mm-hmm. Are you nobody? There's no category for are you <laughs> are you providing pet food to food pantries? So that's kind of been a challenge for us. But, you know, we, we keep we keep being blessed and we keep moving on. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been very, very fortunate. So I'm curious about this as well. How many hours a week do you spend um, working <laughs> on this beautiful project? That's a great question because not only do you have packing parties, but you have to go to the vet's offices and pick up the bins. Mm -hmm. You also have to manage a Facebook page. You also have to uh, constantly be looking ways for fundraising. So I devote an evening a week just to probably doing the, um, the paperwork, so to speak, because we also like to provide handwritten thank you notes to everybody who donates to us. Mm. So there's at least one evening a week I try to do that. But preparing for a packing party takes probably about three days because we don't have the vehicles to pack all the food in at once. So we have to make multiple trips to Sam's Mm. Club. Um, And then we get the room ready. There again, I want to have everything organized and ready. So it's about three days a month. And then you deliver. So that takes another, you know, couple hours out of your, out of your week. We do have two people that deliver for us for some pantries, but we also do our own. Mm -hmm. So I would say the way that we are doing it, it's probably, I'd say two or three, uh, maybe like two or three 
in, in the week of the packing party days, mm-hmm. um, if not like every every week, we have an hour or two we're working on it. And so, well, that's not as much as like I work. thought. Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going <laughs> to say like twenty hours a week. So um, that actually isn't. Oh, we got this down. Yeah, <laughs> which is good, which is good. Is there a lot of work that goes into all the record keeping for a 501c3? There is. If you, um, especially if you have a lot of money sitting in an account, mm-hmm. which we do not. Now, if we had funds in the account, then there's a lot of paperwork that you do. But we do end up sending something to the IRS on a mm-hmm. quarterly basis. Mm-hmm. And there are rules to follow and, you know, with board meetings and so forth. So my thought is always money in, money out. If you're a 501c3 or if you're a charity, you shouldn't be sitting on a treasure chest of money. It needs to go out. Um, but with that being said, we run very lean. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, the records we keep mainly are just the banking records and just making sure we have a list of every donor and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but actually getting started was not as hard as I thought. Uh, and so I'm sure every state has its own way of getting started on a 501c3. Um, but Ohio was relatively painless. Okay. And, um, it's, it's worth it to do it that way. If your listeners are thinking of going this far into it, like we do, mm-hmm. it is worth it to set up correctly on a 501c3. Okay. So where, what's next for Sedona Grace? Are there some things on the horizon that you're <laughs> looking to expand to or to do differently or to bring into it? Good question. I am going to be going part-time in my, in my, in my job in about a month. So the main thing that I'm wanting to do is get back into the schools more um, get into the schools more to teach kids about volunteerism. And um, that's probably my, my, uh, my heartfelt priority right now. The priority is to um, fundraise. We mm-hmm. are in a fundraising mode right now. So that's probably what I'm going to be concentrating on the most. Mm-hmm. Okay. We do not know. You know, we all we often think that Sedona is smiling down on us, and mm-hmm. um, that there this was one of the reasons she came into our life. So we will continue as long as we as we just keep getting donations and keep going. That that's our that's our sign to keep mm-hmm. going. Um, my my poor husband, his shoulder is shot from hoisting kibble. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm getting Aww. arthritis in my knees, but. This is why we have these young, wonderful volunteers. <laughs> they right. take care of a lot for us. So Gotta bring in the we're muscle. just going to keep on going as long as we can. Yeah, Absolutely. that's wonderful. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful, beautiful story. And yeah. what a magical way that, you know, like the, like we like I said at the beginning, you meet someone and your life is changed. And in this case, it was, you know, you both met Sedona and your life was changed. And um, mm-hmm. what a beautiful tribute to her life. Really. Thank you. It's yeah, we, we, this wonderful creature should, she deserved a legacy. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that's what kept us going and, and really wanted us to get this going. So, um, but absolutely that it was, uh, it was definitely something that was meant to be and we are happy to be a part of it. Mm. So if people do want to reach out to you, and learn more about what you're doing or volunteer, where's the best place to find you? Well, our website address is SedonaGraceFoundation.com. And we do have a Facebook page that I encourage everybody to like. And mm-hmm. it's not an annoying Facebook page. I try to keep it light. I try to keep it well-informed. Um, so you can message on that. And there again, the Facebook is Sedona Grace Foundation. Okay. The the website actually has an email address. So if somebody is interested in starting this and has some questions and wants to email, uh, that email goes directly to um, to my email box. So um, if you have any, if, if any of your listeners have any questions or or interest, but I encourage everybody to like it, join the journey with us, and uh, maybe you'll see something that sparks some interest. Mm-hmm. I hope so too. And if you hear from any listeners, in, in your life. Yeah, if you hear from any listeners and they get started, you'll have to let me know so I can bring them back around to do a follow-up. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jill. It was really wonderful hearing your story. It's so beautiful, and you're doing such a service for your community. They're very lucky to have you and your husband. 
thank you. And just, you know, we can all do this. We, we don't have to change the entire world and we don't have to get caught up in the troubles of the entire world, but just change, change with just your neighbor, change with just your local food pantry. You don't, it, it, you don't have to do major things, just little things. Mm, I love that message, you know, and I have to say from all of these um, different conversations I've had with people standing up for something over this year that seems to be the common theme change where you're at change where you're at everybody who does a little bit of that it Mm -hmm. all adds up all right well that was a pretty amazing story wasn't it and um, I can't believe the timing that it happened right after I lost my dog Franny and let me tell you if you guys are dog owners out there you know what I'm going through this was like the hard one ah so I wonder if you felt compelled from that story to go out and do something like this in your area or at least see if there is a way that this is already being done because what a great service for people who are really on that edge that are so close to is it a meal on the table for my kids or giving up my dog which is part of my family or my cat which is part of my family as well and what a great idea that they came up with. I also love that they started where they could. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And the fact that they're consciously staying in their lane, that this is what they're here to do. This is their purpose. And they're going to do it this way. So thanks, Jill and her husband for doing this. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.